If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative and not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email. You know what? You can email me your thoughts, your questions, your opinions, feedback. Your adoration and praise is always welcomed on this program, and it's good to be here back at it on This Monday morning, Monday morning, yes, Oz, it's 420, I know, but it's good to to be here, and thank you for joining us. Um, Look, we are in the midst of a, we've moved past somewhere along the way, navigating this crisis into complete, we... You'll notice, if you go back and listen to this program over the past couple of weeks, there was a a moment in time when I said this is now political. I I suppose you could, you know, everything's always political, right? Everything in America is always political. I've said this for some time, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you drive, what you, uh, where you go for lunch, whether or not you're vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, carnivore, whatever. These things are all political today. And so there's always been that sense that this is political. But I will say this, it has gone from degrees of political to almost now, you could say, completely political. We have seen folks go off the deep end. We have seen, um, you know, the questions at the press conference, which have always been to some degree directed at placing blame at Trump. I don't want to ever say that these folks are not looking for a political opportunity. Um, But to me, this is evidence that we are making progress. And I know, look, I I, I even hate to say that because there are lives that are lost and you you have to, uh, every single human life, as I've shared on here before, is uh, holds holds intrinsic value. I mean, there's it's the the value of a life, as I've shared from the Christian perspective, is that God sent His Son to die so as to reconcile or to restore or to uh, reunite Himself with that that individual. So there needs to be some sort of an ability for us to navigate that without people saying it's. It's heartless or whatever, but this is purely 
purely political at this point. I mean, and we've seen people, I actually saw late, late yesterday that in Venice, California, in Venice, California, we might talk about this in detail later, but in Venice, California, the local authorities there were tired of people not abiding by the no skate park rule, which you just think about this. I mean, at some point, if I can go and buy something at Walmart or Target or Kroger or whatever, then surely I can go to the skate park. I just, I mean, not that I go to the skate park, but you know what I mean. This, this, this idea that some things we can be around people in certain ways, even if we keep our social distancing, but not around people in other ways if we maintain our social distancing. I mean, this is this is confusing at best, uh, duplicitous at worst, and so they're tired of the skateboarders or whatever you call the folks that go to the I guess you call them skateboarders going to the skate park. So they filled the thing in with sand, folks. They take the time to get a little bobcat or whatever you call these things, and they were scooping up sand off the beach and dumping it in. You can envision these uh, these skate parks kind of go down into the ground, almost in a sense, not exactly, but kind of you know, like an in-ground pool with, a, with, of course, obstacles and different things inside. There. They dump sand in the thing. So they say, you're not going to listen to our rules on no skate parks we're gonna dump sand in there i mean we're beyond this is beyond just hey heed our advice please maintain social distancing to where now they're dumping sand dumping sand in skate parks at least in in california and there's other crazy stuff happening too but so the the blame game is in full effect uh the politics of this is in full effect. And I want to play. I want to play this exchange. It's a couple of minutes here. Uh, Chris Wallace, Fox News yesterday. Trump was not happy about this, by the way. Trump was not happy that Fox News invited Nancy Pelosi on. But I say let him. Let him come on and talk about the nonsense. And by the way, what the world is going on in Nancy Pelosi's mind? Think about this. Why would she go on Fox News anyway? And what's what's the point of Nancy Pelosi? You think her her people, her the people in her district are watching Fox News? You think they're tuning into that? You think Nancy Pelosi's really trying to reach out and to persuade the average Fox News viewer? What's going on here? What's going on here? I think if anything, she's trying to to drop some radical nonsense on the crowd that may not be exposed to it on MSNBC, CNN, and hopefully if they can get in their minds a couple of folks to come over. There's no, there's nothing she can say, nothing she can say on Fox News or elsewhere that's going to cost her anything politically in her own her own district. So she's politically immune in that sense. But she joins Fox News yesterday, Chris Wallace, and they talk about. They talk about COVID nineteen. He presses her on some of her responses, but of course she's of course she's out there again, politicizing this to the nth degree, calling President Trump not in this soundbite, but somewhere else yesterday, saying that President Trump is a weak leader. Um, and so she's out there. This is this is the campaign, folks. I know that some people believe that 
this coronavirus has caused Democrats to not be able to, you know, Joe Biden to effectively campaign. And to some degree, there is some truth there because this is not a traditional campaign. But make no mistake about it, we are engaged in the 2020 campaign completely and fully at this point. So listen to Nancy Pelosi and Chris Wallace of Fox News go back and forth yesterday. Here they are. As you are right now, have been very critical. That's not it. You know how many times I do this? There's two chords here. I play my audio off of a off of a sound off of a, my iPhone, and there's two chords, and I plug it into the wrong one about half the time. Let's try that again. Of President Trump especially for what you say is the time that he lost initially in January and February in responding to the virus. But I want to point out that on February 24th, you went on a walking tour of Chinatown to try to promote tourism there. And here's some of what you had to say. That's what we're trying to do today is to say everything is fine here. Come because precautions have been taken. We think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. If the president underplayed the threat in the early days, Speaker Pelosi, didn't you as well? No, what we're trying to do is to end the discrimination, the stigma that was going out against the Asian uh, American community. And in fact, if you will look, the record will show uh, that our Chinatown has been a model uh, of containing and and preventing uh, the virus. So I have confidence in our folks there and thought it was necessary to offset some of the things that the president and others were saying about Asian Americans and making them a target, uh, a a target of violence. Violence across the country. But forgive me, don't you think? Don't you think that when you're out walking without any masks? I understand this is February, not April, when this happened, and saying that there's no threat; it's perfectly safe there. Weren't you also adding to this perception that there wasn't such a threat generally? No, I was saying that you should not discriminate against, discriminate against Chinese Americans, as some in our administration were doing uh, by the way they were labeling the flu and that. No, indeed. And again, I think you, if you check the record and it's current, uh, you will see that, our, that Chinatown has been a model uh, in all of this. And that's what we're saying. Look to them for answers. Don't look to them uh, to uh, place blame. Yeah, truly, truly bizarre stuff there. I mean, if this makes sense to somebody, I don't know that there's any hope for (laughs) changing a viewpoint or communicating with whatsoever. This is absurd, nonsensical, completely insane gibberish is what this is. So to reset the stage here, in February, late February, February, uh, February 24th, not long after we went through the impeachment shenanigans in the House and Senate, but I guess it was a couple months after the House because the House completed their um, impeachment proceedings in, in late December. But remember, Nancy Pelosi would not hand those articles of impeachment over to the Senate for some time. And then they came out and did that silly, ridiculous march across the Capitol grounds. March across the Capitol grounds. They acted like they were at a funeral. They were singing dirges and so forth, headed to the, the 
the Senate with these phony, make-believe, sad looks on their faces. Nancy Pelosi was at the podium each and every day telling us how sad, my goodness, I'm so sad for our country. Oh, I just can't get over how sad and depressing this is. The president has forced us to do this, given us no choice. He's just been haphazard and reckless with our Constitution. We have no choice. Oh, it's a sad, sad day for the president. Meanwhile, handing out celebratory promotional ink pens when she signed the articles of impeachment remember when she scolded members of the house for cheering yay when they passed the impeachment no you're not supposed to do that don't i'm up here at the podium she fought back a smile i know we'll celebrate later all this nonsense remember so this was not long after that not long after that and it definitely wasn't long after the senate uh, voted to uh acquit President Trump of the charges. And by the way, you want to talk about, remember the whole call for more witnesses? If we had taken the advice of these uh, Democrat propagandists in the Senate, and including um, at least in one, well, including others from the Republican Party that were at least entertaining uh, this notion at some point, but If we would have taken that advice and moved towards hearings with all these witnesses, this would have run right through, right through the beginnings of this thing happening. And definitely the time that Nancy Pelosi's here in Chinatown, in her district, calling people to come out. February 24th, folks, she's telling people, there's no risk here. There's no danger. You can come down here. It's safe. She doesn't have a mask on. There's other video of New York City liberals doing the same thing, downplaying this, which again, and it's just, we didn't understand everything, largely, largely because the Chinese government had not been uh, forthcoming and transparent with information. But if she, the, the, the irony is, The double standard is if she's going to be out there telling, criticizing the president for not acting enough, for not taking strong enough actions or for being reckless with his handling of the COVID-19 outbreak, why can she be, why can she be calling for people to come join her, come out here and join me? A bunch of people hanging out close together uh, here in Chinatown. She says because she didn't want to. Uh, have these folks targeted because of racism. What in the world? What in the world is she talking about? This is absolutely nonsense. When pressed on this, she's like, no, no, no. I'm not putting people at risk. I'm not putting people at risk because apparently, apparently, if there is perceived racism involved, there's a an inability for coronavirus to be contracted. If you come out to show your support... For a particular group of people, I guess Nancy Pelosi would have us believe that you're immunized against contracting coronavirus, COVID-19. That's the only thing I can come up with here. Because she doesn't even acknowledge, no, I didn't put people at risk. If President Trump did this, said come to my, you know, come to this, come to that, no risk, China's lying to us, whatever. I mean, this would be the the subject of questions and entire press conferences 
Anyway, this whole thing has become purely 100% political at this point, and it's an utter shame because we've got real problems to navigate here, including two things. One is maintaining the health and safety of Americans. Number two is, of course, reopening the economy, which some states are starting to move forward on in spite of in spite of leftists and uh, pe- people who are trying to politicize this um, having problems with this. Having problems with this. So she inadvertently, by the way, stumbled into something else here, which we'll talk about next segment. I got to take a time out, though. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in a minute. Welcome back. So. I think Nancy Pelosi also unwittingly just made the case, made the case here for these individual communities, states to begin to handle the reopening of their local economies as they see fit. Now they'll tell you, it's just, it's this weeding through the politics of this and weeding through the nonsense of this is just, it's, it's remarkable because they're going to say, the president is not, uh, you know, the president is not a king, which is not. I'm not suggesting that he is, but the president can't make these, you know, the, the calls to reopen the economy unilaterally. This is the job of, of governors. Okay, fair enough to say that. But let's say now you, you've passed that responsibility or however you want to say this to the individual states at that point. So now the states are doing what they deem appropriate. If you start to move forward in opening your state, they're saying, many of these folks are saying, you're putting the rest of us, putting the rest of us at risk, which is exactly what she was arguing back prior to any of this really hitting the United States, you know, to the degree that we're dealing with now. Now, it may have, of course, been here, but as far as the the explosion of, of, of growth and, and, you know, passing this around and hospitalizations and, and deaths and so forth. February 24th, we really hadn't, we hadn't experienced that at that particular point in time. And so here she is out there saying that this is a model. Chinatown and her district out in the San Francisco area. This is, this is, um, the model, she was saying. That's that's why she could go. She could promote it. She could promote the event. There wasn't any danger. And she was there to stop racism anyway, which again, I guess, she was arguing that if you're trying to stop racism, COVID-19, that's, an, that's a way to immunize yourself, I guess, by what she's telling us against COVID-19. It's like COVID-19's at a you know, just moving around uh, the population, and it stops. It says, wait a minute, these folks here are trying to stop racism. They're trying to stop President Trump from being racist with his comments about this being the Wuhan coronavirus. Let's stop here, and let's not infect. Let's not infect anyone here because they're doing, um, they're doing good work here in preventing President Trump's racist policies from taking effect here here in the United States. Again, everything 
is political. We've lost our collective minds on this. Uh, I mentioned earlier she called President Trump a weak leader, and she said that he is a failure as well. So again, this is all about assigning blame. This is all about politics. This is all about 2020. And I want to talk about that as well. I'm pausing because I'm thinking how much I want to say before the break. We have a couple of minutes, but I don't want to get too far into this because I have a lot of a lot of thoughts on this, especially there's a, a piece that I had seen. I'm trying to dig it up as I'm as I'm talking here through this all these links and, and things that I had pulled up. But um talking about really a couple of things. Number one, there's two articles. One article um talks about the importance of the next forty five days for our economy. You may have seen last night that oil prices plunged yet again. And it's to the point look, Having to not pay much at the pump is is not is a, is a good thing for many people, but there's other uh, things to consider when thinking about the prices of oil. These things aren't as necessarily cut and dry, um, especially when you look at American production, all the investment people have made in things like fracking. Uh, once oil goes below a certain point, now they're not able to produce real you know they can't do anything because it, the it's more expensive to pull it out of the ground than it is uh, to sell it and so it creates problems especially when those problems are to a large degree created and fabricated by Russia and OPEC's uh, desire to continue to flood the although they've they've recently changed course on that but to flood the market with oil but um, we have this period of time here, this period of time where we have to get back to business in the United States. Again, not haphazardly, not recklessly putting lives at risk, understanding, though, that there is a risk. And I don't mean to be the, let's just to state the obvious here, but there's always, there's always risk. It's about mitigating risk. It's about realizing that Having an economy where people literally can't do anything, many people can't work, their wages are cut or they're on, are or they've become on unemployment, which by the way, for the first time that I'm aware of, self-employed people are supposed to be able to file for unemployment uh, during this this crisis. Um, however, as far from what I can ascertain the government has still not put those rules into place so states are the ones who are ultimately responsible for giving uh, assigning unemployment benefits states were unable to do that so you just you, you look at the equation for these small business owners you've got you've got realities that you know many of these folks didn't get PPP grants payroll protection program grants the money has run out. Congress is supposedly, Trump says he expects a negotiated compromise here today on that that will extend it, adding yet more money, $250 billion, we think. Who knows what the price tag will be on this. But in dealing with the short term, I mean, there's a reality that these small business owners, they're stuck. You know, Do I keep employees on? Do I put them on unemployment? 
you know, eliminate their positions at least temporarily for them to go into unemployment. These unemployment benefits are massively um, more expensive than usual because of the additional $600 per week that many people qualify for for this uh, pandemic, I guess, this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. So you've got the costs that are associated there. Then you've got the cost of maintaining, keeping your business open, and then you're not able to access unemployment yourself. You're not allowed to sell, basically, in many of these instances, or your ability to do so is dramatically impacted because of the decisions made by state and local government officials, which I'm not saying are not justified. In some cases, maybe close to completely, all the way down to they're not justifiable at all, such as dumping sand in a skate park in um, in California, in Venice, California. So we've got this situation where this is not, we can't just pause. There is no pause button. I've, I've actually, I say this even when talking, um, you know, having conversations with folks, there, there is no pause button. If I've got a problem and I'm doing other things alongside of it, I can't stop the rest of my life, pause it, address that one problem, and then resume everything else right where it was paused. That's that's only a feature of uh, modern-day technology. That doesn't work in real life. We have to do these things simultaneously, and we have a short window. And every day that we're prolonged into not being able to do these things at the same time, and yes, Oz is right, it's time to take a break, but if we can't do these things at the same time, massive problems will Ensue. In fact, massive problems have already occurred, and it's as though a huge chunk of Americans don't realize it because they are under the illusion that the government can provide things without any sort of long-term cost or effect, and things can basically be the same. They can collect a paycheck while sitting at home, sometimes not doing anything or you know, 50% of what they normally do. And I'm not criticizing – but don't misunderstand me, the worker. I'm criticizing – the system here. This is not a long-term solution. There needs to be an emphasis put on finding a way to reopen the economy in, in comparable to what Trump's doing. Trump's the only one I see really if, or here on the national stage really pushing this. And again, it's not to be haphazard or dangerous or flippant, but it's to say it is a real concern and a real problem <clears throat> with the situation we're facing as well. But I got to take a break. Continue this talk when we return. See you in just a minute. Welcome back. I did see as well over the weekend, Brett Baer from Fox News. Brett Baer actually pointed something out that was... I think kind of important to point out here as we as we go down the world of or down the road of craziness as we're talking about this purely in political terms now purely there's no more uh, there's there's no more illusion that this is not political there's no more code talking this is you know, all pretense has been thrown out the window here as the left is engaging, and and, and Trump is too, uh, but really in defense to what he's been 
uh, subjected to. But Brett Baer points out that at the last uh, at the Democrat debate in February, which I I want to say was the last one. There might have been one other one, um, but I there might have been one more after after this where they were so you know there was no crowd. But this may have been the one with the crowd. But Brett Baer points out that that the issue of COVID nineteen coronavirus was not even discussed during the last Democrat debate. So again, if this is all Trump's fault, if this is all uh, the result of Trump being irresponsible, playing fast and loose with the health and wellness of the American people, if all this is accurate, if all this is accurate and the Democrats were screaming from the mountaintops for Trump to do anything, why? Why, number one, was Nancy Pelosi calling people to come out to Chinatown on February 24th in her home district. Again, the only thing that I'm uh, left with to to make sense of this with is to believe that ostensibly Nancy Pelosi is arguing that if you're fighting against President Trump's racism, you can't contract COVID-19. And I find myself wondering, is this just me? Or does that seem just a tad bit anti-science? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if it's such a big deal, if they were screaming from the mountaintops for President Trump to to do something about stopping COVID-19 and the coronavirus, why wasn't it even a topic at their February debate, as Brett Baer uh, pointed out over the weekend? It wasn't because, again, they're trying to rewrite history. They're trying to make you believe that a series of events... Uh, that that fits their political agenda either happened or didn't happen, right? They want you to believe that they were screaming from the mountaintops, so they want you to believe that that happened, and they don't want you to believe that Nancy Pelosi was calling for people to come out to attend some uh, Chinatown event in her district on February 24th. They don't want you to get caught up in that, and if you do, if you find yourself stumbling with that, not able to reconcile that. They want you to believe that the reason she was doing that was to do her part in fighting against President Trump's racism. Racism. And what does she mean by racism? She means she means President Trump calling this the Wuhan coronavirus, which, again, they want you to overlook the fact that the radical left and the media called this the Wuhan virus, the Wuhan coronavirus, for a long, long time. Then President Trump starts doing it, especially you know, President Trump really starts doing it when the Chinese say that the United States, uh, the military, is the group that unleashed this virus on uh, on its citizens or on its subjects in, in communist China. So then that became the new, you know, President Trump saying it's the Chinese coronavirus. Then he had the stupid question about, remember the, the, the lady, the member of the media, I think she's at NPR, asking President Trump about why some people in his in his administration, we're calling this Kung Flu. Remember this? We had all sorts of questions along that along that line because then at that point, the media and the left took the position that calling it the Chinese coronavirus or the Wuhan virus was racist. And so now, now in that through that lens, none of that happened. None of that happened prior to twenty uh, February twenty fourth. So Nancy Pelosi is trying to create a fake, a fake. Uh, narrative here, a false narrative where she's out there trying to combat President Trump's racism over 
the Chinese coronavirus, as he was calling it, before he even called it that. They want to rewrite history. They want to scrub your minds of what you know happened. And many, many people don't know what happened. They weren't paying attention at the time. But there's a lot of people who were, and they are, they're a lot more effective than I wish they were at, at making people think something happened when it didn't or making people think something didn't happen when, in fact, it did. And I've got to take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I should tell you that listening has been proven. 98% of scientists agree that listening can cause you to lean to the right. So sit tight. Be safe. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So talking about the politicization of this coronavirus, COVID-19, back and forth, Nancy Pelosi, Trump's not happy with uh, Fox interviewing Nancy Pelosi. I say more light, more light on this, more light on her hyperpartisanship, more light on her, more light on her um, <laughs> extreme double standards, more light on the things that she was saying in February, the things that she was doing. Meanwhile, as she's criticizing President Trump, the the only way she's going to know this, or that the, the average person is going to know this, folks, is if people like Fox report it. Because MSNBC is not going to report this. In fact, if they did, it probably would be something like this. Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown to promote a, an event, but she was, she was there because the president lied to her. The president. The president deceived her on the, uh, regarding the risks of, of coronavirus. In fact, as I sit here and say that, I'm almost surprised she didn't say that yesterday. I'm almost surprised she didn't say, you know what, I was deceived by the president. I mean, she can't help herself. Anytime they can they can say that they're out there fighting against racism and fighting for some for some particular group of people, they're not going to pass up that opportunity. And of course, that's why she effectively said that fighting against racism apparently inoculates you against the coronavirus. But anyway, she, she, I think, may have missed an opportunity here. She could have said, I was deceived by the president. The president here wasn't doing anything, so I didn't think there was any problem. I don't have access to the information he has on his daily um, intelligence briefings and so forth. I don't have that access. He's the one that's responsible for that. Here he put me in, in danger not only that, he put me in, uh, put other people in danger because I was calling for them to come out. I didn't even know about this. I'm surprised as I think about this, she didn't take that that particular route. Then she could say President Trump, you know, he he just wants to go golfing. President Trump just wants to inflate his massive ego and host his his rallies. This is how they do this. That's why they say that these uh, press conferences are the new Trump rally, which give me a break. I mean, if you've watched one and then watched the other, uh, they're, they're not the same at all. But I will say this, the same spirit and the same attitude comes out whenever he's uh, facing some of these ridiculous questions, 
these ridiculous assertions by the media. In fact, I listened to one earlier this morning between him and CNN, uh, CBS. I didn't want to get into that uh, too much simply because of time today. But you know, th- there's the same spirit there between these exchanges and the way he talks at those rallies when he points at the cameras and he says, ah, these folks back here pointing to the media, very, very dishonest people. Not all of them, not all of them, but most of them. Most of them very dishonest. Look at CNN's camera light just went out. They went to break. They didn't want to hear me criticizing their their pathetic network, their pathetic cable news station, right? And then, of course, the way he interacts with the the media. But the media comes in locked and loaded, prepared to blame Trump for things. They're not asking questions anymore and asking for his response. Basically, they're almost acting as though they're prosecuting attorneys, and he's on the defend on the stand. He's the defendant on the stand. He's been charged with a, a crime, a capital crime, a crime that's, of course, worthy of impeachment. We don't know what the crime is yet, but he probably needs to be impeached for something. We're just looking for the thing. We all know that he's done it. We all know that he's justified in, in being impeached, removed from office, probably thrown in prison on top of that. So that's what these journalists, that's the mindset that they walk in there with. But this is political war now. And it's unfortunate because we're still trying to get out of this coronavirus crisis here, get back to some level of normalcy, which we'll talk about the economy in next hour. Um, I've I've had this article that I wanted to to get to, but I thought I would save it for hour one of, um, excuse me, segment one of next, next hour. So we'll get to that here after the break. Um, and by the way, if you want to listen, it's normally uh, normally it's for subscribers only, but but that's not the case right now. All you have to do is sign up to become a free subscriber to our email newsletter, toddfshow.com slash subscribe, and you will get a chance. Uh, you'll get a free month. You can sign up for a free month of, of total access where you can get hour two uh, exclusively through our digital channels uh, for a month for free. No credit card required, any of that. We just want to give that to you as our as our gift during this uh, coronavirus shutdown and just all the the challenges and adjustments that we're that we're making. We wanted to extend that to you at no cost for a month. And I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. This fight to reopen the economy, this fight to get back towards normalcy, this fight to do what's best in the prevention and spread of future COVID-19 cases and how those things all intersect and relate to one another is being waged all around this country. In fact, you've seen you've seen protests, you've seen counter protests. Um, you have people who are effectively saying, I just need to get back to work so I can provide for my family, so that I can take care of my financial obligations, so that I can live my my life and provide for those who are dependent upon me. And that is, I still think, in large swaths of this country really being overlooked because 
because for many people, they think the government is the source of wealth. So let's just sit back and live off the government for a while. That's what they believe. That is a very erroneous way of thinking. We'll kind of tackle this next hour. Sit tight. See you in a few SDG.